Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. All right, folks. An incredibly special episode of On the Wing Podcast today. I have uh, been looking forward to this one for weeks since I lined it up. This is the Long Way Home podcast episode. So hopefully you dialed in on September 1st and watched Long Way Home, the film. Well, this is Long Way Home, the podcast with Eric Peterson, the filmmaker uh, behind Long Way Home, and David Nolt. The star, the Brad Pitt, if you will, of Long Way Home. He's already shaking his head at me. So as I um, as I introduce this, I'm gonna I'm gonna read David's words um, back to you, the listener, but back to David. So that's probably odd, awkward for David, but nevertheless, I'm gonna do that uh, because they they're they're moving words that uh, David posted on his own personal Instagram account on the afternoon of Wednesday, September 1st, before the premiere of Long Way Home that evening. And here they are. Learning to hunt again has been one of the most humbling and fulfilling journeys of my life. I've been so lucky to have my dad's spirit behind me and these two beautiful bird dogs at my side. For better or worse, our misfit, misfit team was the subject of a short film, Long Way Home, directed and filmed by my good bird hunting buddy, Eric Peterson. It was such a fun collaboration, and I'm incredibly grateful to him for all his thoughtfulness and care in capturing and telling our story with such heart. Thanks also to our sponsors, Pheasants Forever. Orvis, South Dakota Tourism, and Purina Pro Plan, who funded this crazy idea. Long Way Home premieres tonight and can be viewed through the link, the link in my bio. James Walter Nolt. I hope you're able to tune in from that great recliner in the sky. And happy hunting to everyone taking to the field this week. So if you haven't, folks, watched Long Way Home, don't watch it right now. Listen to the rest of the podcast. But then you're going you're gonna to watch Long Way Home. And I'll tell you, if you don't have tears in your eyes listening to David's words uh, from Instagram, you'll have tears in your eyes watching this film. Because the only thing that I can um, hearken it back to and I mean this in the purest compliment possible, fellas. Um, and I'm looking at Eric and David. Is Field of Dreams, and Field of Dreams has been on kind of the radar of America again because of the real famous uh, game in Dyersville, Iowa, this summer. But I don't know anybody that didn't watch, you know, that the catch scene uh, with Field and Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner and, and Ray Liotta. I think it was Ray Leona, right? Having a catch 
on the field in that moment of a dad and a son. And to me, that, that bond between a dad and a son that was portrayed in Field and Dreams around baseball came across on the, the screen in Long Way Home surrounding bird hunting. And I couldn't have hoped for anything better than that when Eric originally brought the concept to us. So without further ado, I'll, I'll quit rambling here and introduce our guest, Eric Peterson, uh, returns to the podcast. You've heard him, you've heard him before, but if you haven't listened to that uh, particular episode, Eric, uh, go ahead and give us your background. Again, thank, thank you for being here. Sorry for sucking all the wind out of the, the beginning of the episode here, but I'm, I'm obviously super jacked up about this episode. So tell, tell, tell our listeners about your, your background. Hey, Bob, that was a great intro. Um, thanks for having me on again. It's exciting to be back. I am a photographer and filmmaker based in Montana. I grew up in central Minnesota, the son of a incredibly avid uh, hunter who's who's still today is in North Dakota chasing deer with his bow, actually. So uh, he's still after it. Um, and now I make my living um, telling stories, mostly in the outdoors with my camera, which is a great honor. And you, uh, you wrote one of the articles that should stick out in folks' minds to make a pheasant hunter. One of the ones I'm most proud of during my tenure at uh, Pheasants Forever. And that was kind of the focal point of our conversation on the last podcast. But give us an overview of what to make a pheasant hunter is about. Sure. That story is about um, my son, my adopted son, Casa, and kind of his path into the upland hunting world and and um, was sort of a call to action for all of us in the upland world to uh, be more inclusive and bringing others who may not look like us or or live like us or so on um, into the fold um, so that was a that was kind of my first um, written piece for pheasants forever i'd done some photography for yeah. the magazine in the past and then wrote that story and then um that that led us led me to wonder how else i could uh, uh continue this path of telling stories about the uplands and pheasants forever has been such a great partner for these and platform for these stories so i'm grateful for that relationship and there's a an obvious thread in your stories so far that have been we've collaborated on and that's the emotional connection that exists. You know, a lot of folks think about bird hunting or probably coming to this podcast. I just want a story about birds and dogs and hunting. But if you, you dig it just a little bit deeper, um, the bonds that exist between fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, fathers and sons, um, that's a thread that you artfully pull on so effectively. You did it in the written piece. You do it every single day in the, the pho photography that you um, send our way. And that's really what Long Way Home um, pulls on as well. So it's a, you, you, you kind of establish yourself in the niche of the, the emotional pheasant hunter tie. So uh, <laughs> kudos to you. Cause that, that, you know, for a guy that loves Field of Dreams, you, um, you it definitely resonates with me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I um, 
I don't know that I would have guessed that to be my my niche, uh, my path. But um, I talked to my dad on the phone after the release on Wednesday night, and he said, "Man, what a great film! It made me cry. It seems like everything you do is making me cry." <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I'm, I, I know that uh, that it's probably or I thought it was a smaller niche than it was this mm. um, emotional thread that's involved in hunting. But I think what I've come to realize through the, both of these last two stories is that there is more to hunting. And I think a lot of us appreciate that. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Well, the laugh you heard in the, uh, the emotional thread, the focal point of it for a long way home, uh, David Nolt. Uh, first time that I've had the pleasure of meeting David, at least virtually anyways, on the screen. Um, going to do things a little bit differently rather than diving deep into David's background, which is going to come out as we talk about the film. Um, welcome David to the podcast and kind of tell us who you are today, wh where you live, what you do for a living. And then, and then we'll go psychoanalyst on you after that. <laughs> fair enough, Bob. Fair enough. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thanks for having us. And, and just thanks to Pheasants Forever for all their support of this. Um, I live currently in Livingston, Montana, and uh, my background's in journalism, but I currently work for a nonprofit called American Prairie, and we're working in central, north central Montana, uh, and the concept behind the project is to piece together these fast tracks of private and public land to manage for conservation and public access um, in the Missouri Breaks area is kind of the heart of that so um that's my story i guess if you've seen the film you probably know more than anyone ever wanted to know about me. <laughs> <laughs> well we want to know more which is why we're going to dive a little deeper but before we do i want to thank uh, all three of our corporate partners who made long way home possible for us to bring to the social media audience and to our, our website and to our members. Purina Pro Plan, the official dog food of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Orvis, uh, tremendous hunting clothing and outdoor gear. And our, our national sponsor and partner, South Dakota Tourism. And they're also a sponsor of our podcast. So um, South Dakota pheasant season is almost here. Are you all set to go just like David did on Long Way Home? Plan your own trip to South Dakota by visiting huntthegreatest.com to get your license and plan the upland adventure of your lifetime. I also want to mention that Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever have partnered with Alps Outdoors to challenge hunters to preserve America's outdoor lifestyle by taking a new or lapsed hunter afield this year. And that's part of the story with Long Way Home as well. The Hunter Mentor Pledge is our organization's critically important call to action to unite all sportsmen and women across the country. To inspire new participants and encourage mentors, we are providing some great incentives, including a guided hunt for one mentor and a new hunter. This season, let's rally the Upland community to grow our hunting heritage 
and support wildlife habitat conservation because our future depends on it. Learn more and take the mentor pledge at pheasantsforever.org slash mentor pledge or quailforever.org slash mentor pledge. And thanks to Alps Outdoors and thanks to all the mentors teaching new people to hunt. You're helping save the lifestyle. And that dovetails into Long Way Home pretty well. Um, there's a there's a theme about dads and sons and mentoring. Um, first question is for Eric. Um, how did the concept for Long Way Home come to fruition? I mean, you're you're a guy that our readers know as a photographer, then as um, now a writer. Um, but you've, you've done films before where, where long way home as a film idea came, come from? Well, like so many great ideas that came over, uh, sharing a beer together. <laughs> uh, what kind of beer? <laughs> our local brewery here in Livingston, Montana. Good deal. Um, yeah. So David and I had known each other a little bit a decade before, because we were both in the newspaper industry, um, hadn't run into each other for probably 10 years. I came across his name in the credits of a, another film that I had seen and thought, oh, I wonder if he got into the film world. So I actually reached out to him. We went and got a beer together, ended up talking about dogs and hunting as we do. Um, and I told him that I had just finished another film, another short documentary film, and I was sort of looking around for other ideas. And I told him I've always wanted to do one that pairs my passion for upland bird hunting with my filmmaking. And then he told me the story about his dog getting close to the end of his hunting years and wanting to take his dog back to hunt some of the old haunts that his father had hunted. And that was enough of a storyline for me to be like, I'm in. Now that's my version of the story. I'd love to hear David's version, but that's, that's how I remember this. And this, I think this was three years ago. Does that sound right, David? I don't remember any of that, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> it was uh, good beer. <laughs> um, no, that's, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Um, I I remember it exactly that way. I I don't think I knew what the hell I was getting into uh, by by mentioning this. Um, you know, it was it, it's a story that I had tried to write for a long time. Um, just kind of my journey. Um, to becoming a hunter again. And I'd been writing it for, I mean, a long time. And, um, this was really how it should have been told. I think it was, uh, writing it for print, which is how I was trying to write. It was just not really working. And it was really cool to see it transform, uh, you know, coming to, to film and just to have Eric, um, you know, along the way, just helping, with the entire thing and just, you know, it's like when I've never had a film done about me, uh, that was an, is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting feeling and it brings out all sorts of strange neuroses. And Eric was always there to sort of talk me off the ledge. And, um, so it, you know, this was just such a true collaboration and, uh, it really, I think after that beer, we started hunting together and, um, have a very similar, uh, approach to bird hunting. And I would say, you know, the first, that first whole season was kind of just us hunting together and getting to know each other. Um, you know, Eric would shoot here and there, but, uh, 
you know, we, we really do hunt a lot together and, and hunt really well together. So I think that really helped. And then, you know, Eric just captured this so well, all, all the filming and editing you can, I think you can really tell it's done by a bird hunter. It just, yeah. it kind of feels like you're there and it's not, it just is, you know, you're in the, in the brush and the reeds with me and, and the dogs. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's, that's fair. It started over a beer and then really developed over a lot of conversations, driving to a hunting spot, hunting together, driving back. And, um, yeah, for, I guess for the better part of three years. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That first year we hunted together a lot. I carried my camera a little bit, uh, not very successfully. Mostly I think I was shooting still photos just for promotional stuff to try and get this off the ground. Uh, but quickly realized I'm going to have to actually put my gun down and focus on the camera if this is going to work. Um, which was which was welcome for me. Eric's a better shot than me, and he always he always has his limit before me. So like to have him put his gun down for God's sakes and just start. But then the camera comes out and I shoot even worse. So we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> well, your comment about it, you know, being filmed by a bird hunter. Um, you're right, hundred percent that that comes through you know it's you can tell the camera's in the right spot you know you, you're not and you can also sense the cameras paying attention to what the dog's doing like a bird hunter knows when a dog is birdie and has the camera connected to the dog and then the person rather than the other way around and and eric leads with camera on the dog and then the person and that that sort of naturally flows yeah um david you mentioned you wanted or you've been trying to write this story for a long time uh, why why is why was this an important story that you needed to tell wanted to tell what 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 was pushing you to do this yeah uh you know i think I like to write for one. So it was a creative outlet for me. Um, but I do think it was part of this whole journey of trying to make sense of all of it and, you know, mm. and find um, not necessarily closure, but just to, you know, to talk it out with myself and, mm -hmm. and, and just um, the whole, like I said, in that post that this whole um, process has been so inspiring and, and, uh, challenging and just all of the ups and downs and uh, and you know also as a tribute to my dad and and I think as a way to just to sort of bring you know what what hunting has meant to me personally and and uh, you know to try to explain it I guess it's you know it's when you're out there in the field there are so many things that you experience and, and then, you know, you add the dogs to it and you have this mm -hmm. whole, this whole experience with the dogs um, is just, it, it, it's so much that I just wanted to, it was like, it needed to come out, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, it's the only way I can explain it. Um, so, and I have no idea if um, this text was written by me, by Andrew, our marketing guy, by Eric, or an amalgamation of all of our words together. But this is how we promoted Long Way Home. 
this is a film about loss, second chances, identity, bird dogs, and the power of connecting people to places through hunting. There are a lot of threads here, and, and many of them overlap. Um, and it's clear, David, through your Instagram posts that you're, you, you know, the kind of the main theme that you wanted to get here, and you've just talked about this, is the connection with your dad and coming to terms with that. At the same time, you know, even when you talked about, you, you and Eric talk about the how this concept began, started with the dogs, right? Like, I have, you know, Leroy's last year. And so it's, it, there's so many different themes here, but they sort of parallel in my assessment of them. It's like the big story is you're coming to terms with your dad. But there's also that story of second chances because your dogs are all adopted or both adopted. And there's also that second chance story of your ability to connect with your dad after your dad's gone through your dogs and through pheasant hunting. Um, to me, that all resonated. Is that, and which is why we drafted the text that way, right? To promote it. You know, put into where is that kind of the themes that those are the themes that you wanted to come across? And are those the things that you were wrestling with um, as you tried to write this? Yeah, absolutely, Bob. I think yeah, I, I don't want to speak for Eric, but I think above all, we, we wanted this uh, film and the story to be honest. Um, you know, we weren't trying to impress anybody. We just, you know, really wanted it to be very raw and honest and um yeah all of those things and, and that's kind of where i started writing the story was you know this idea of a second chance of um you know of, of you know waking my ass up and and appreciating what i have in my life um and not being so you know just so sort of stuck in my ways and you know in my own world um and then and then you know coming to hunting again and then getting Leroy from the shelter at a year old. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of issues. He was, you know, he's a lab. They're so sentimental. He was dropped off at a year old and it broke his damn heart. And mm -hmm. so he had really bad separation anxiety. And so it was working through all of that. And then, you know, we got Lucy five years later and she was really uneasy around men. And, and, um, you know, we didn't really know much about her. She was 15 months old. So we worked through that and it was just this, this process of just really trying to, you know, become a better person, become a better hunter. And, and it was always, um, it always, um, centered around the experience outdoors. Um, just, mm. you know, the places hunting takes you, the things you get to see the experiences you have, um, what it teaches you, you know, just the, the humbling nature of it, the self-reliance, uh, what you learn about the natural world, all of those things. Um, I, I don't really separate any of them. It's all kind of, it's all just, you know, my life now. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it's cool to hear you say that. I guess for me, it was just, and, and when Eric and I talked about it, it's just really trying to be really honest about the story and, and where I am now in my life and with my dogs. Hmm. And I, I believe at the end of the film, it credits you as the writer. Um, however, I, I got to believe, you know, this truly was a collaboration where it's like, you know, how to, how do you match up 
the filming with the words. And I, I guess that's a question for Eric, because I think that, you know, you're ultimately the producer, right, of this concept. Do you do you ask David to draft a story, an outline, or do you guys go hunt and film it and then try to put a story together based on what happened? How do you approach it? Well, this one was unique for me because I'd never worked off a script before and having David's story that he had written, had been writing for years and have, you know, having that draft to sort of work off was, um, was just different. I'd never done that before. So it was kind of fun to work that way. Otherwise that, you know, the other way would be, I'd do a series of interviews and then wade through the interviews and pull out the pertinent parts of those interviews and piece those together and match them up with video. So to have this narrative arc already in place to some degree um, was kind of fun to play with. And then it was a matter of, you know, had he read that story word for word throughout the film, it would have, it would have gotten long. It, you know, mm -hmm. it needed to be broken up just to um, mix things up. So then it was a matter of like figuring out where in that story we were going to kind of break out of that narrative and, and go more verite, like in the scene. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that was, that was also a fun part is just kind of working those pieces together and like this part's really heartfelt where he's talking about his dad. So we need to lighten it up a little bit coming out of that. So the mm -hmm. audience doesn't get too you know, down about things. And so it was kind of that roller coaster and just figuring out how those pieces were going to fit the best together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, and it came in just a bit underneath 15 minutes. How long could it have been if you, because I'm assuming that you drafted, uh, you know, a few versions of this and they were longer. Um, and that's probably the most difficult process is editing down to what you think is going to be consumable, right? Yeah, absolutely. There were, um, I think there were one or two missed shots that I had to cut out. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry, David. <laughs> for, for <hunt>. David's um, <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's always the hard part is, is, uh, is, cutting the stuff that you like the most or mm. cutting some of the scenes that just don't fit or don't add to the story. Some of the, some of the funnest stuff that we got in the field, I feel like didn't make it just be for one reason or another. Um, but that's the reality of it. Just, I would just add Eric, that Eric's being pretty humble here. I mean, to, to, uh, to do something so different, you know, like, like this was to work from a narrated script and then, to piece it all together, to shoot it, and then to piece it all together and to make sense of all this crazy, you know, rambling text that I'd written and, and to have my concept of it. And then for him to like, you know, help me along with understanding how this would translate to film and then to actually make it happen mm -hmm. uh, and to be willing to collaborate that way is a huge credit to him. I think he's being humble about it, but um, there thanks. were, a million decisions I'm sure you, you you both had to make and you second guess every single one of them, sure. I'm sure. And and some of it's pretty natural, right? Like uh, the, the connection between you and your dad and setting that up with the visit to the to the grave and, the, you know, the birthday party for the dogs, I think was a, a neat element that that was added and was probably a choice to, to yep. figure out. Another component that I think was probably a choice that 
I found really heartfelt and really loved was the call to your mom. Um, my assumption is you guys went out on a hunt and you were filming this story about dad and the dogs. And that was sort of like, I'm going to check in with mom. I don't, my, I'm guessing that wasn't scripted. It was just like, this is more about just dad and, and me. This is like mom and dad and me, and this is family. Is that an accurate assessment or was that the plan all along? You were going to, you're going to call mom from the truck. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. It was, uh, you know, I couldn't not call her from, you know, they were both born and raised there and, uh, you know, there's so much emotion that I'm going through personally. And, and really it, it was, I was trying to take myself out of the equation and just to really try to focus on my parents. Like, mm -hmm. uh, cause that was something that after my dad died that I struggled with was like, I remember we did a slideshow after his funeral with my family and I've seen all these pictures of him and I was like, you know, my God, and I'd, like, there's so many things about him that I don't even know. And so I really tried to focus on just, um, you know, thinking about them the whole time. And, and so that was, I think that we had, we had just hunted, um, uh, a conservation, uh, property, uh, crep pheasants forever mm -hmm. thing in the James Valley watershed and had an amazing hunt, um, public land. We both limited out in about probably less than an hour. And mm -hmm. it was just everything you would hope for in a, in a pheasant hunt. And, uh, and we were just driving back. It was really rainy and, and uh, it just felt right. I think it would be something that I would have done anyway. It's funny, Bob. I've had more comments about that scene than any other. I think it just um, because it was natural, because a lot of people have that connection with one one or the other parent where they're going to call after a hunt mm -hmm. and let them know. How, and I do that, too, with my dad. And, just, and he does that to me. He'll call me after a hunt and say, hey, just give me an update. Um, but it was also a way of tying that that place right because yeah. it wasn't just his dad hunting there it was where his mom and dad met and lived and it was just a way of like and and I, for me hearing her memory of that place was really cool when she was mm -hmm. she was reminiscing on that duck hunt that she went on with her husband way back in the day and it was just cool to add that element of of family memory in right on and you know we we often talk about i think about four things related to pheasant hunting that you know get us really passionate about it um the dogs you know why do you like pheasant hunting? oh i love the dogs right the the bonds the camaraderie it's different than other kinds of of um hunting where you you're in the field with other people right they often a connection with the food people love to eat pheasant but i think an under appreciated component particularly of bird hunting because you're you're out moving in your covering ground is that connection to a sense of place. And I, I, you know, on a personal level, I love reading books that and watching films that you feel super connected to a place, a river runs through it, right. Dances with wolves. Um, this film or right, feel the dreams again, right. Is this heaven? Mm -hmm. No, it's Iowa, right? <laughs> Long way home. Um, it was South Dakota, the, the best of South Dakota. You know, the, the rolling out the orange carpet for hunters, the public access, the, the prairie, the 
flush of a cackling gaudy rooster uh, over a locked up English setter. The sense of place in, like you mentioned, the phone call um, conversation with mom. Oh yeah, I know exactly where you were. I was duck hunting with dad there when we were engaged. You know, that sense of place. And I got to believe from a filmmaker's perspective, sense of place either comes through naturally or it's the hardest damn thing to produce. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that's a hard thing to fake for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, with where we, the locations we filmed this, it, we had the great benefit of being either in Montana or South Dakota, both which are naturally beautiful places. So, I mean, that farm that we filmed in South Dakota, where his dad used to hunt, it felt like a, it felt like we walked into a Terry Redland painting. It really did. There was the old, the old barn building. There was the old truck, you know, mm. rusted out park, you know, it just had all the elements of that classic, um, pheasant, Midwestern pheasant hunting feel. Mm. You mentioned, um, you know, some of the things didn't make film, you know, didn't make the final cut. Anything that jumps out to either of you, and we'll start with David, that, that you're like, I so wish we could have fit that in, but uh, but we couldn't. Uh, any memories from this particular trip that, that um, were at, on the cutting room floor that you want to put words to for listeners? Oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, I think... Even though there are a lot of misses in the film, miss shots, there were there were still more that didn't make it. Um, I, I, I may be grateful those didn't make it, but we had one the last day of hunting that uh, Lucy just had this amazing point at the end of a shelter belt, and it was like you know just perfect. And this big old rooster got up and I fanned on him twice, and I just collapsed. <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> but so, so that one, I would say also just like a lot of behind the scenes, the weather was pretty nasty, uh, mm. while we were there and we were in Eric's no offense to your camper, Eric, but man, it, it, it seen better days that had like the wind <laughs> and the freezing and the freezing rain and, and snow. And we had about every type of weather, uh, you know, you can, you can imagine. Um, and there's just a lot of fun times, uh, just, I mean, literally every day we would just talk about we're both pheasant junkies and and just talk mm. about hunting until you know we went to bed at night um and uh you know four dogs uh jammed in that camper with us um i think that that was uh you know just a great experience and um i don't know eric mm. what do you think yeah the first thing that comes to mind is that final miss on the final day too because it was such a it's just, just so beautiful. It all lined up so perfectly. Lucy just nailed this point. The bird got up close, flew away nicely. And I, th and I was on it. I had focus on the dog, on the bird. And I just wanted that one last slam dunk to know I had everything in the can. <laughs> Final day, last one. And then to see him just bang, bang, whiff. And, but his reaction was so funny because he just collapsed. He just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny uh, getting to see, you know, me shooting on film. It's like you can dissect everything that I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, oh, maybe wait a little bit and just not lose your head. Every time a rooster gets up, maybe wait for it and, and put a bead on it and, sh and, and then shoot instead of just blasting right away. It's funny how... You know, because I've been on that end too, whether it's a TV show or rooster road trip where, you know, you just 
have a run of cold, right? And you, you just miss. And I think it's human nature to internalize the shit out of that, right? The reality is for the viewer, they see you miss and like, we all miss. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. That's the reality of bird hunting. And, you know, it's sort of like nobody's even paying attention from a viewer's perspective on the, the misses or the hits. It's almost more entertaining to see those misses. But the, yeah. the pure thing, you know, it's the story that that resonates and comes out. It's not the hits or the misses, the retrie retrieves. It's that what comes out is the connection you have to Leroy and Lucy and the, you know, your voice the temper, that temper, but the tempo in your voice that changes when you talk to your mom, you know, and, and that's what we all identify. It, it, it's so human nature to be like, oh, I missed that bird. My God. <laughs> but yeah. Nobody else cares. No, right? That's true. It's true. And we had, I mean, we had essentially scripted, like, like David said, we wanted this to be authentic. We didn't want to roll up and kill everything we shot at or have the perfect retrieves. Like we wanted it to be real. Um, so we had sort of scripted in, like, this is a section we're going to have like a montage of misses, um, knowing that those are going to happen because we're pheasant hunters. They do happen to everybody. Right. Can we just get the video montage of misses? We'll play that on Facebook by itself. We'll, we'll, we'll tag David. I've, really. I've, dis I've destroyed that footage. I, I destroyed it. It's like, that'd be like an hour long. Uh, you and me together, brother. It's tough to have a camera following you around. Yeah, definitely. If you realize, yeah, the mental aspect is, is such a big part of it. Um, but but yeah we did we want i mean that's just it's funny eric and i talked about too of, there's this idea that pheasants are just always easy to hit like they're the easiest and we talked a lot about how sure if you go to like a, a you know a game farm game if you hunt, you hunt once a year and you go to a game farm it's just loaded and they're just passing you know it's mm -hmm. like pass shooting them in front of you but you know, I often find when you're in here in Montana, we're, you know, scrounging around for a couple roosters on public land often. And they're, they're wily birds, you know, they mm -hmm. run, they fly out low, you know, they're very cagey. And I think uh, we talked a lot about how uh, it isn't always the case that just because they're big, that they're easy to hit. They're, they're actually, um, you know, they're a really cagey bird. And I think that's what makes them so fun to hunt. Yeah, right on, right on there. There's no such thing as a layup. I mean, they are, you know, they can get right. 60 miles an hour in, in, especially when it's a windy day. So you and me, we got all kinds of excuses that we can roll out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I, one of those, one of those misses you'll see was a very windy day. I think that was <laughs> Right on. They cup their wings and I bet you they get, you know, the low seventies on some of those things. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so a big piece of this story and the, the writing process for you is cathartic, right? The, do you feel now that this is this stage of your grieving process and long way home has, has hit the um, kind of, the public eye, but I'm sure it's much more personal level than that. Um, where, where do you stand in the grieving process with your, in your relationship with your dad? Like, did this, 
did this cross um, sort of a, a a boundary in in the in the process? And the boundary it comes off as a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way, but it, it feels to me that this film would have been very cathartic. Yeah, uh, it it was, um, and and it, it particularly this week. I mean, just having it, releasing it to the world and just getting all of the, the love and, and feedback from friends and family, friends of my dad mm. um, has, it, it definitely has felt like coming full circle. Mm. Um, I think it's also, you know, where I am in my life now, you know, I'm 41, um, you know, I'm married, um, you know, Leroy's 13 now, Lucy's seven. I've been hunting again now for a decade, I guess. And, and so, yeah, it absolutely, I think this, I was talking with my wife last night about it really has felt, um, there's a completion that uh, I felt this week through, through this film being released through hearing from, especially from hearing from my friend's dads who, you know, I think knew him on a different level than I did. Cause you mm -hmm. know, I was younger um, has been really cathartic and, you know, you never, in terms of the grief process, it, you never stop missing them, you know, you mm -hmm. just, you, you don't. Um, and so that never goes away, but you approach it differently. And, and it, you know, it, this process of dealing with losing my dad and just, you know, growing up has just, you know, makes you all the more grateful for everything you have every day of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I really, um, I, I think I do a better job of, of that now, um, of, of just really appreciating what I have. Yeah. It's an important story to tell and for all of us to kind of be open to listening to. We all are at different stages in our lives from a, that maturity and growing up perspective, but um, hopefully um, putting that story under the umbrella of the pheasant hunt um, get some people that wouldn't naturally um, be open to having that emotional connection with the people that they love and themselves. Um, it delivers it in a kind of a new, unique, different, and fun way. Um, you mentioned Leroy and Lucy are still around. Um, how they do it? Is Leroy going to make it to, to hunt this year or is he on the, uh, the retired list? He, he's doing great, man. I tell you what, for 13, he is doing great. Um, his, his hips and his back legs aren't what they used to be. I will definitely take him out this year. I'll probably take him out for the opener. Uh, I just got to be careful. He doesn't know, like all mm. bird dogs, they don't know when to say when. Um, but he'll get out, but just, you know, I, I don't know how many times and, and it'll be short stints, but I, it's, I can't imagine not taking, not going out for the pheasant opener with him. So I'll definitely do that. Um, but he's great. He's, you know, he, he can't hear and he, it's, it's like halfway between he can't hear as well and he just doesn't care. He just kind of doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> so it's like, we call him old man Jenkins and, and it's fun to see. <laughs> I love, I love the old dog uh, mentality. It's like, you know, <laughs> we just kind of let him do whatever now. Um, you you have a lot of names for for him because he, Leroy, <laughs> right? He yep. you introduced him in the film as Dubbs, 
Yep. Right. And yep. old man Jenkins. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Old man Jenkins. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Lucy's great. She's seven. Um, and she's just like, she just lives to hunt. I mean, she's just a gamer all the time. Um, so they're great. Uh, we just got a puppy, uh, in, uh, July, uh, we got a Llewellyn Sutter puppy, Penny, and, uh, she is amazing. And that's such a fun, uh, element to add to the pack. Uh, so, so we're all, I, I think we've kind of got to an equilibrium now where, you know, there's still a little bit of jealousy, but everybody's figured each other out. And, uh, it's just fun having her learn from Leroy and Lucy. Uh, it's so much easier. I, I haven't raised a puppy since, you know, as a kid. And so nor is my wife. So, um, it's, it's fun to, to see that process and, and it's the other dogs help so much. It's just mm. so awesome to have them, uh, you know, have this lineage of, of dogs. Um, so, and, and, you know, like I said, Leroy and Lucy were both a year, 12, 15 months when we got them. So, I just kind of took him hunting. It was like, you know, I trained, I did a lot of training and stuff, but it was more just getting out a lot. It's, it's really cool to be able to have a clean slate with Penny and to really try to do all the right things. Training her uh, is super fun to see her grow. Cool. And you, you talked about in the film, like you hadn't hunted for a long time and then you went on a duck hunt and then it sort of opened the door for bird hunting. And after we, uh, hit um the end of this recording you're uh you're going elk hunting so you're you're all in at this point aren't you i am it's just it's it's a lifestyle i mean it, it really is and and i live it and breathe it and think about it every day and um i'm so excited to to get out i my my prospects of getting an elk uh with, with a bow are low but i just honestly look forward to just disconnecting, turning my phone off and just being able to walk around and, and, you know, try to count coup on an elk, um, is that experience is just, I live for it. Um, so yeah, I got to scramble to get my stuff ready here this <laughs> afternoon. And, and, uh, Eric, like a, a smart man is probably just going bird hunting. <laughs> yep. The kids and I are headed out to the mountains to chase some, uh, blue and rough grouse this weekend. So they're 12 and 13 now. So they're both all in and we've been shooting some trap this summer. Um, they're ready to go. Ah, I'll, uh, I'll be there by sundown. <laughs> I, I wish that sounds, that sounds amazing. Well, fell, you know, David, first of all, thank you very much for, you know, sharing your story. Um, incredibly personal with, you know, Pheasants Forever and our entire audience uh, letting us be a part of this. Um, it's just a super wonderful um, reminder of what's important in life, especially as we uh, as we all approach hunting season and kind of, you know, take it another assessment of, you know, dad and mom, brothers and sisters, our bird dogs, and, and then you know, let's not undervalue ourselves, right? The connection that we all have to the places and people that we cherish. And, and that came through just marvelously. And Eric, kudos to you to putting it on film. And um, you continue to bring awesome, awesome concepts our way. I so much want to talk about the next awesome concept. 
and I won't. All I'll say <laughs> is the working title is Ripples, and it's not about fishing. <laughs> um, I'll, another, I'll, go ahead another one another one to make my dad cry yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it will so um our plan is to to be back in front of um the pheasants forever and quail forever audience a year from now um with another film with eric peter peterson that uh makes everybody proud and and uh, reminds them just how damn important bird hunting really is in the grand scheme of life. So, fellas, final thoughts. Uh, we'll start with Eric. What's your final thought as we put a bow on Long Way Home? Oh, I just, I'm grateful to both David and Pheasants Forever for um, helping make this happen. It's been an incredibly fun journey, um, sharing David's story, partnering with Pheasants Forever, having you guys as a platform and your audience um it's it's incredibly rewarding to be able to combine my passions of upland hunting and filmmaking and storytelling so i appreciate both of you guys yeah well thank you it's it's mutual for sure uh david Thanks. the brad pitt of long way home i saw you <laughs> oh, i saw you I, I don't he was the first person that came to my mind i don't know who what's a better should i who should i have said Man, I don't know. Uh, Jason Sudeikis? <laughs> you got to go somewhere shorter and skinnier, man. <laughs> well, Danny DeVito doesn't work. So. Hey, I'll take, I love Danny DeVito. Let's do that. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, you know, I'm super grateful to Eric again and, and Pheasants Forever and, and everything that Pheasants Forever does to getting people involved in hunting. I think... You know, my takeaway is that that uh, we need to get more people involved in, in hunting. I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting here in Montana, you know, there's a nationwide decline in hunters. You wouldn't necessarily know in a place like Montana. It's very mm -hmm. popular. And, you know, I've seen places that I used that used to be very quiet are much busier now. And so that part of it is hard, but I, I'm really a believer in getting people involved and, and breaking down barriers that that make it seem like, you know, it has to be this really, um, I don't know, like you have to have all the right gear, or you have to do, you have to train your dog this way, or you have to do this or that. Like, it really is just about getting out. And I think through that process, you, you really become an advocate for, for these places, for wildlife for access and i just really hope that especially younger people um you know really um get that passion to to get outside even if you're not hunting whatever you're doing but get outside and to care for these places mm -hmm. to care for the wildlife and to be involved in, in trying to preserve this stuff for future generations so many people fought so hard to give us what we have today in this country we have an amazing natural heritage and uh we need to we need to keep fighting to um, get people involved and, and to protect it. So I hope that that uh, at least it comes across as like letting people know you you know the barrier is barriers are what you make it uh, and and you know to really just um, get involved and it's all about what you make it. Not it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It's, it's your experience. Yeah, that's really well yeah. said and. Yeah. You know, it, it, your your dad was one of those that fought to protect 
um, the freedoms that we have. And, and that comes through. It, it wasn't an over the top in your face element of the story, but it came through loud and clear. And so, you know, sincere appreciation to what your dad gave to, to protect what we have. And, you know, another thread, when you mentioned gear, something that occurred to me while watching and I just bring up because it, it was the first thing that popped to my mind when you talked about gear is that, that uh, plaid hat, that <laughs> the orange and plaid hat that's just in on your dad's head in a number of photos and you're wearing it in the hunt. And it, again, it's another element artistic element of the story that wasn't done in a way that's like, Hey, look, it's dad's head. Like, you know, here, look at, look at how smart we are to carry this theme through. It, it was done in such a subtle way with so much finesse and care um, that there was little Easter eggs throughout this film that, um, that made it just, really, really, really high quality in, in delivering more and more sort of lasting impressions every time you watch it. And I mean, it's only 14, what is it? 14 minutes, 45 seconds. So hell of a job, Eric. God damn. That yeah, was absolutely. A That's a credit to Eric. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you picked up on that, Bob. I, there was a moment where I was like, should I have had him said, well, I'm putting my dad's lucky hat on. I didn't know if people were going to pick up on that. Um, so I'm glad to hear you did. Yeah. That, hat, that hat's hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there is that. That hat was hard to miss. I didn't, I didn't think he had to do that. And I thought it was wonderful. Um, I normally close the, uh, well, let me, let me thanks also to Karina Proplan, Orvis, and South Dakota Tourism for signing on as sponsors. This film doesn't happen with Pheasants Forever as a nonprofit conservation organization without Perina, Orvis, and South Dakota Tourism investing in it. Um, yeah. Please go to pheasantsforever.org slash long way home and enjoy um, the amazing film that uh, David, Eric, Perina, Orvis, and South Dakota Tourism brought to our viewers Um uh, just an amazing story that'll move you as you get ready for hunting season. And as I, I normally close every episode with always follow the dog, but in, in honor of David and in honor of long way home, um, David had a, had a little bit different closer and I'm going to put you on the spot here, David, I'm going to have you close with your saying that you ended long way home with. Do you, do you know it off the top of your head? Well, I'll just make it short and sweet. Follow your nose. Yeah. If you ever stray, remember to keep your nose to the wind. That's a yeah. hell of a good reminder, folks. David, Eric, thank you. Thank uh, you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of On the Wing. Talk to you later. I think I screwed up my own line. I follow your nose. Who says that? No.
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought you did a great job, Bob. I appreciate all your your care uh, and thought on this.